It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Memphis Grizzlies are number one in the latest power rankings from NBA.com. They are the best team in the National Basketball Association, according to that wonderful website are they right do the grizzlies deserve that number one spot do they need to perhaps add some depth as trade season approaches and the rumor mill gets cooking up and then the grizzlies have a national game against the denver nuggets tonight it's a hoop night in memphis let's lock in you are locked on grizzlies your daily memphis grizzlies podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Grizzlies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We are on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all those sorts of things. We are also on anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, literally anywhere. Find us, like us, rate us, review us, subscribe us, all those sorts of things. It is much appreciated. You will notice that it is I, Joe Molinax, once again, flying solo once again on this episode. To Michael Cole of the Commercial Appeal, my wonderful, handsome, just very suave, debonair, uh, brilliant co-host. I miss him terribly. But DeMichael is traveling here soon. The Grizzlies, you may or may not have heard. I know Steph Curry's not playing, but in terms of audience, Memphis has never had a bigger regular season stage than this Christmas night game this coming Sunday. DeMichael will be traveling 
for that contest. And he's getting some family time in before he works the holidays. So hopefully you'll permit one more day of my ugly mug if you're watching on YouTube or my moderately attractive baritone vase, or voice if you are listening on your podcast feeds. DeMichael will return for Wednesday's show in which he will be flying solo. And then hopefully the two of us will be able to pair together before the holiday season fully gets underway in terms of Christmas. And we can look ahead to some big games for the Grizzlies coming up then. So I'm solo today to Michael for Wednesday. And then hopefully we'll be back together the last couple of days of the week. The Memphis Grizzlies, according to NBA.com, number one, according to the NBA app, in terms of power rankings, the top five teams in the NBA for this week are number five, the New Orleans Pelicans, number four, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Quick shout out to J.B. Bickerstaff, right? Goodness gracious, what an amazing uh, success he's been there in Cleveland. Number three, the Milwaukee Bucks, who Memphis just shellacked, if you remember correctly, beat the tar out of Milwaukee last week before the disappointment in Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. Uh, number two, the Boston Celtics, 22-9 and nine Boston Celtics, most wins in the NBA. And the Grizzlies are there at number one. And part of the logic for that number one selection is a lot of what we've talked about here on Lockdown Grizzlies, the success that they're having, the improvements defensively now that Jaron Jackson Jr. is back in the fold, obviously not having Desmond Bain and still having the level of success that they're having, and just the really fundamentally sound dominant performance that Memphis posted against Milwaukee. All of those are contributing reasons, according to the NBA, that the Grizzlies are number one according to their app rankings. Should they be? It's a fair question. Last week, when I was on these podcast YouTube waves, I talked about the idea that there are two teams clearly ahead in terms of being NBA Finals contenders. The Milwaukee Bucks, who Memphis dominated in a regular season game, in fairness, and the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics have cooled off a little bit. They still don't have Robert Williams in their own right, and that makes their defense even more bet, uh, amazing than it already is. So when he comes back fully, right, it, it'll be a really impressive growth for them on the defensive end, just as when Bain returns, you would assume the Grizzlies will get better offensively. So I think that for me, if I was taking those same five teams, I, I'm okay with the, the three that they've got there. I think the Pelicans are at this stage one of the top five in the entire NBA, I think there's questions there, not necessarily defensively, but they're facing a lot of the same issues with Jonas Valanciunas that the Grizzlies faced towards the end of Jonas's uh, time in Memphis. And that's not to say that Jonas is a bad basketball player. That was one of the confusions that a lot of people had with my take while I was running Grizzly Bear Blues about Jonas. Jonas is a good basketball player, and he holds tremendous value in terms of what he is capable of doing rebounding, screen setting. He's a better defender than he gets credit for, although he's predictable. He's not bad. And he also is a great scorer in the post. Various ways, he has a higher usage rate to score, and that's one of the ways that he impacts basketball games. Memphis doesn't need that kind of player, didn't need that kind of player, which is one of the reasons they completed the Stephen Adams trade to move up and get Zaire Williams. The rest is history. That doesn't mean that Jonas is bad. It means that Jonas is a stepping stone in terms of getting you to the next level of offensive efficiency. The Pelicans are approaching where Memphis was in terms of when it's time to deal Valanchunas. So it may not happen this year, but maybe this coming offseason, Valanchunas moves on to, I don't know, the Magic or the Pacers, a team that's up and coming that could use 
a security blanket, training wheel, whatever you want to call it, and allow for that offense to develop and get better under Jonas's tutelage and, again, in case of emergency, break glass skill set offensively. So I think that the Pelicans make sense there. They have some questions that they need to work through. The Cavaliers, again, Donovan Mitchell arrives in Cleveland. The defense is still sound. They're scoring. They're playing great team defense. I've been really impressed with J.B. Bickerstaff. I hoped when he got fired and let uh, go from the Memphis Grizzlies that he would get another chance. He has gotten that other chance, and it's more than deserved, and he's showing that he's a good coach. It wasn't going to work out in Memphis for a variety of reasons, and a lot of them weren't his fault. But he's a good basketball coach, and he's getting a chance to show that again. Uh, So kudos to J.B. in Cleveland. Hopefully that success continues. The Milwaukee Bucks, despite the big beating that they took at the hands of the Memphis Grizzlies, Still an NBA Finals contender. They've got the best player on the planet, and Giannis, Giannis, excuse me, Antetokounmpo. He is phenomenal. Drew Holiday will get healthy. Chris Middleton's getting back into the swing of things after missing the start of the season. They have a lot of good key bench players, and they have the urgency of now, right? They want Giannis to be a – when you have the best player on the planet, you should be a championship contender every year. That means you're going to be active on the trade market. I would imagine you'll see that come for Milwaukee and they'll be in Eric Gordon conversations. They'll be in chats about other potential available upgrades to improve their depth on their bench. So Milwaukee being three makes sense. I mentioned Boston. I would have Boston in front of Memphis because I think Boston's a better team. Their depth is ridiculous. Malcolm Brogdon is the best sixth man in the NBA. Maybe he doesn't win the award for a variety of reasons, but I think he is that best guy. He is a starter, a true legitimate starter as a sixth man. They've got so much talent, so much scoring. You know, Derek White does a great job in terms of being a great two-way player for them. Marcus Smart is a high-level defender, reigning defensive player of the year. Just so much going on for the Celtics. And then, of course, the two Jays, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, just phenomenal players. So I think I'd have Boston one in front of the Grizzlies being number two. But I understand Memphis being number two, or excuse me, being number one according to the NBA app ranking. They had the very impressive win over Milwaukee. And put aside the Thunder performance, Memphis has been, in terms of efficiency, one of the top teams in the NBA. Their defense has been remarkable. Their offense has been extremely productive. They have played at a high level, and they have found ways to get the job done, even with Bain not being in the mix. So when he does eventually get in the mix, hopefully by Christmas, you know, I talked about that a little bit yesterday, but hopefully by Christmas or maybe a little bit after, We're seeing Desmond Bain back in the fold, and we can finally get a full idea of what this Memphis Grizzlies team is capable of. But they are number one, according to the NBA app, right now for this week. Obviously, some big games coming up. The Denver Nuggets uh, on Tuesday night, tonight. The Nuggets are being uh, the focus on TNT, the national game for Memphis. So that'll be a good test. And then they play Phoenix, of course, on Friday night. And then Memphis heads to San Francisco for the showdown with the Warriors without Steph Curry. So that loses a little bit of its luster, but it's still the Warriors. There's still a bit of a rivalry, at least on the Memphis end of things. Even if Golden State wants to say they don't really have rivals, I can promise you the Grizzlies are looking forward to being on that stage. So it's going to be a good week for Memphis in that way, showing what they're capable of, how much that ranking is worthy of them even if they are not fully strength or full at full strength in terms of health, what they are capable of the ceiling for them and how their reserve players like John Conchar, like Santi Aldama, how these dudes continue to rise to the occasion, be solid, malleable pieces 
in that roster and in those rotation minutes for Taylor Jenkins, I think the the NBA community at large, and obviously the NBA app in this particular case, is taking note of how impressive Memphis has been in that way. So uh, coming up, we'll talk about, speaking of how impressive Memphis has been, do they need to make a move? Are they going to be or is there going to be smoke or fire, excuse me, is there going to be fire where the proverbial smoke will be that Memphis will surely be involved in trade rumors? We'll talk about that next here on Locked On Grizzlies. But first, Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. This episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by Turo. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts, browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. Book an SUV or minivan for a family road trip, a pickup truck for some errands, or even test drive an EV. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. We're going to talk about whether or not Memphis needs to make an upgrade to this current number one team in the National Basketball Association next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. Memphis is currently number one. We just talked about that earlier in the show. Brian Windhorse, a very interesting fellow. I met him a long time ago when I was covering the Grizzlies playoff series back in 2013, 2014. I think it was 2014 uh, before I left Memphis. And, you know, I met him and I'm not going to go too much into it because, again, it was eight years ago. It's not really worth uh, the the full tea, so to speak, in terms of my interactions with Wendy. Um, But it was cool to meet him, see him in that setting as a media member, of course. And he was sitting on NBA Today, Malika Andrews show there on ESPN. And he had Danny Green, who is doing some guest spots, guest uh, analyst work for uh, ESPN, obviously an active member of the Memphis Grizzlies. And they were talking about the Grizzlies after the Milwaukee Bucks game and all the success that they've been having, how good they could be with Desmond Bain returning. And they mentioned the probability of trades and trade rumors involving Memphis. They listed all the first round picks, including the Golden State one that Memphis owns the rights to, multiple second round picks. And they talked about the expiring contract of one Danny Green while he was sitting there on on set uh, there on ESPN. It was extremely awkward. I don't think I've ever seen a player being told to his face that he was going to be a part of trade rumors. But I think that's what they are, rumors. And Green makes a very important point at the end of that segment, talking about how Memphis wants to see their team at full strength before they decide if they need anything, which they haven't seen all season long. I wrote over on my Substack, written in the dark. Subscribe if you uh, would would like. It'd be appreciated. Uh, There's paid and free 
uh, options there. And it's joemolinax.substack.com. And you can see the post because it was free for everybody on Mondays. Posts are free for everyone. And starting in January, I'm making a donation to a paid subscriber's charity of choice with the proceeds or with part of the proceeds from Written in the Dark. But anyway, I digress. Shameless plug. My latest post there was the Memphis Grizzlies aren't making a trade until they are, right? And I think that it's important that outside of the Justice Winslow trade in February of 2020, there are some smaller moves as well. This front office does a vast majority of their work in the offseason, right, particularly around the NBA draft. That is when Zach Kleiman, the GM of the Grizzlies, and his crew really operates, trying to trade up in drafts, making moves alone that way. That is where they see their vision come into full light for the upcoming season, or at least what they hope it will be. So does that mean that they are not going to be in rumors? Yeah, I think they'll be in rumors. I think that you'll hear their name brought up in terms of kicking the tires around the marketplace because of exactly what Windhorse talked about on NBA Today. They have the capacity not just to go out and one-to-one make a deal, but they also have a chance to be a third team to help facilitate a trade, get an additional asset, Danny Green is icing on the cake for this team at this point. Desmond Bain comes back. A tan-man rotation of John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams, Tyus Jones, John Conchar, Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark, and Santi Aldama. Where are the minutes for Danny Green? Right? Who, who is he taking time from? So you have an expiring contract there, $10 million. And you have multiple firsts. Danny Green in a first probably gets you something. Does it get you Alex Caruso from the probably soon-to-be tanking Chicago Bulls? Maybe. Maybe it does. And Caruso, no offense to John Conchar, is a better John Conchar physically. He's a better defender, better three – or not better three-point shooter, more willing three-point shooter maybe is the better way to put it. He is a much better facilitator off the dribble. He's a true combo guard. Similar size to Conchar, maybe a little bit smaller. Not the rebounder that Conchar is, but offensively, he's just a more well-rounded player. And defensively, he's definitely better than John Conchar is. So he'd be an upgrade in that spot. And again, another facilitator of offense to play alongside Tyus and Jaw and others, Bain as well. Danny Green and a first-round pick for Alex Caruso. The Bulls probably take that trade. But should Memphis make it? And the point that I make in my article, and, you know, DeMichael will continue to talk about this both here and through the commercial appeal, I'm sure as well, is the Grizzlies very firmly are invested in their guys, right? And John Conchar, almost as much as anybody, is a Memphis Grizzlies front office guy. They drafted John Morant. They drafted Brandon Clark. Also part of that draft class was the unsigned or undrafted, I should say, John Conchar, who they signed originally to a two-year or excuse me, two-way contract, and he has worked his way up in the Memphis Grizzlies development system over the last three or so years from a two-way contract player to a legitimate NBA rotation player on arguably the best team in the NBA. That's pretty impressive for a guy that uh, played small school college Division One basketball and wasn't really on a ton of radars in terms of being drafted in the first place. So when you look at John Conchar and you see what he has become, a lot of the reason he's become that is obviously through his own work and the development of his own skill, but because of the environment that the Grizzlies have set up there in Memphis. They are a developmental spot, and they have put a lot into Conchar's development. So while Alex Caruso may be a better player, 
Will he fit what Memphis wants as well as John Conchar does? Will the, the piece of the puzzle fit as snugly and firmly as it does when Conchar is out on the floor, regardless of who he's playing alongside? That's a fair question. And I think at this stage, given the body of work that we've seen from the Memphis Grizzlies front office under the leadership of Zach Kleiman, I think the answer is they're going to say no. No, the, the juice is not worth the squeeze. They are interested in maintaining the chemistry and the family atmosphere that they've built, and they're not going to go outside of themselves to bring in someone who may be an upgrade, at least theoretically, that might not fit the grand scheme the way that a John Conchar does. Conchar has come up in the Memphis Grizzlies system. He knows those schemes inside and out. He's a solid team defender. He takes shots. Not enough, but he takes shots. He is capable of seeing where he fits within offensive and defensive sets, finding himself in coverages, getting to where he's supposed to be. You can trust John Conjar to do his job. He may not do it enough in terms of three-point shooting, or he may not do it well enough in terms of point-of-attack defense on the ball. He struggles in those areas. But you can count on him to not rock the boat and be a functional, solid rotation member. Caruso should raise that ceiling, but will he fit as cleanly as Conchar? I think the Grizzlies front office has their doubts about that, not even necessarily about just Caruso. Eric Gordon, put him there. OG Ananobi, the Toronto Raptors aren't that far behind the Chicago Bulls in terms of potential throwing in the towel for tanking. If DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic head out and go to Los Angeles, that probably makes Caruso more available. And in the Raptors' case, if they move on from a Pascal Siakam for whatever reason, a Gary Trent Jr., someone along those lines, maybe OG does become available. And a Danny Green, Dylan Brooks, and a first-round pick. Two expiring deals for Toronto if they want to clear their books a little bit, get an additional asset. And OG comes to Memphis under contract through 2024 at the very least. He has a player option after that that he might opt out of. But OG, again, theoretically, better offensive player, larger, more of a combo forward. He theoretically makes the Memphis Grizzlies better, even though Dylan Brooks is one of the better players for Memphis this season. OG is a better, again, philosophy-wise, offensive player. But does he come in and fit the Grizzlies' schemes, especially defensively, as well as Dylan Brooks does. Does he enter the puzzle and come into the party and make things more difficult than they need to be because he's not used to the Grizzlies way? I am of the mindset, even though I love me some fake trades, don't get me wrong. I think Memphis has shown that, again, the Justice Winslow trade being the exception, they want to do their work in the draft. They want to bring guys in up and through the Grizzlies way, so to speak. And I think that's the way they're going to continue to do things. So check out Written in the Dark. I talk about that. The Memphis Grizzlies aren't making a trade. Obviously, that'll continue to be a focus of ours here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Some people are saying they think Memphis needs to fortify their bench. I don't think that they agree with that. I think that they want to see what this team looks like. And they're confident in their belief, and they haven't been wrong so far, that they've got what they need through what they've already developed there in Memphis. Thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Lock Sports, Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. 
This episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by Bet Online. Big fan of Bet Online. You should be too. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there pro football, college bowl season, basketball, World Cup, which just recently ended, soccer, whatever. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those on Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. We will preview the upcoming game for the Memphis Grizzlies against the Denver Nuggets on national TV. Denver not at full strength for this one. Memphis still missing Bain, but in a little bit better spot health-wise than Denver is. We'll talk about that and more next here on Locked on Grizzlies. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. We'll finish out this episode taking a look at the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, Memphis is in Denver for that game tonight, and it's going to be interesting to see who actually plays for the Denver Nuggets because while the Memphis injury report is fairly normal in terms of their capacity to, you know, they don't have Bain, they don't have Danny Green, but everybody else is available. Uh, so they should be close to full strength. Missing Bain is pretty important. But outside of that, Jaw's going to play, Jaron's going to play, Steven Adams has been in and out of the lineup. He should be in the mix. The Denver Nuggets, meanwhile, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is questionable, one of their better defenders. Jeff Green, Grizzlies fans familiar with Jeff Green, also questionable. He's been doing some good things for the Nuggets this season. Uh, Jamal Murray is questionable as they manage his knee injury. Michael Porter Jr. is unlikely to play because of his heel injury. And the big one, he's likely to play because he's probable, but the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, right knee contusion, he's probable. But again, maybe it doesn't respond well. The treatment doesn't feel well in the morning. Maybe Jokic sits out. So Murray is a 50-50 proposition. Again, injury management, that makes you think that they err on the side of caution. Maybe Murray sits. Uh, Porter Jr. is not going to play. Jokic probably does. So the Grizzlies are in a better health situation than the Nuggets. At least they'll be equal. Michael Porter Jr. is a pretty important player for them offensively. He's got great length and a great frame. But health is a concern. He's not going to be out there. The The Denver Nuggets started in with uh, Nikola Jokic, right? And a lot has been made in recent times, in recent days, about what the Grizzlies, or excuse me, the, the current MVP status in the NBA. And John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies being in that top 10 conversation among NBA players, John naturally fits into that top 10 conversation in terms of being an MVP candidate, you know, Jason Tatum, where does he fit? Giannis Antetokounmpo, where is he at in the MVP conversation? Maybe it's because of voter fatigue, but Nikola Jokic doesn't really get brought up as much as perhaps he should in that conversation for being a three-time MVP. All this guy does is dominate basketball games. Check out what he did in his most recent game. Just a remarkable showing where he posted 
a ridiculous 40-point, 27-rebound, 10-assist triple-double. He was phenomenal against the Charlotte Hornets, and he is just a, a truly phenomenal – that's the best word to use in terms of his talent. He dominates basketball games. He is one of the most skilled players that has graced the NBA perhaps ever. And he, again, reigning MVP, 25 points per game this season, nine assists per game. That would be a career high, 10.9 rebounds. He is shooting 80% from the charity stripe, 32% from three, a staggering 62% from the field overall. And that's on 15 attempts a game. Jokic might be the MVP again. And this Denver team goes as Nikola Jokic goes. He, they, the Nuggets are not far off in terms of their rankings in the Western Conference. They're a game or so behind the Memphis Grizzlies. They depend immensely on Jokic, but it's not just Jokic, who whenever you're in the same conversations as, you know, somebody like the, uh, the great Wilt Chamberlain, you must have had a really good game. That's exactly what Jokic did in his showing against the Hornets. But Jamal Murray was 2 for 11, 0 for 6 from 3. Again, it's possible he doesn't play in this game because of injury management. Um, you're looking at Bruce Brown, which was a great pickup for the Denver Nuggets, really helping on the defensive side of things. Denver has not been as good defensively as perhaps they should be. But Bruce Brown is too good of a point-of-attack defender, one-on-one defender on the ball. I don't see their struggles continuing very long. Aaron Gordon is still there in Denver having a lot of success. They are not as bad as, you know, their slow start might indicate. And again, they're 18 and 11, 9 and 3 at home, and they have the one of the if not the best player on the planet. I think it's still Giannis, but Jokic might be number 2, right? In terms of being just a phenomenal basketball player, how do they slow him down? How do they limit him? Do they get physical with him with Steven Adams? Do they point a strong uh, overall defender, one of the best in the NBA, and Jaron Jackson Jr. on him? We saw how that happened or worked against the Milwaukee Bucks, right? That was not a successful endeavor for the Memphis Grizzlies. They weren't able to keep Jaron on the floor. He was in foul trouble. Giannis essentially had his way with Jaron. Jokic is a guy that can handle Jaron's size just like Giannis. Maybe not the athlete that Giannis is, but Jokic has a lot of skills and tools in his basketball tool belt that could maybe make life difficult for Jaron. So how they decide to defend Jokic is going to be a major factor in this game. Obviously, if Murray plays, he is more than capable of going off offensively, but he was cooled against the Hornets. I think that you'll continue to see Aaron Gordon have some success. That might be more of a logical place to put Jaron Jackson Jr. Jokic is not a huge threat from three. He can convert, again, 32%. You know, he'll hit every once in a while, but he's much better within the three-point arcs. Maybe you put Adams on Jokic and let him do the best he can and just do it by committee beyond that and just try to slow him down. You're not going to stop a player of the caliber of Jokic. He's the guy that serves the drink for them. And if you can find a way to limit him, slow him down, he's going to get his. But if you can prevent him from getting 40 points, 27 rebounds, and 10 assists, they've got a good chance to win. The Nuggets only won that game by four points, and they had a pretty dramatic fourth quarter collapse. The Nuggets did. The Nuggets were up by, I believe, something like 18 points entering the fourth quarter, something along those lines. 
And the Hornets made it a close game. They got up and made it a, a very respectable showing, only losing by four there in Denver. So the Nuggets, not at full strength, but they have at worst, you know, the second best player probably on the planet right now in Nikola Jokic. How they defend him, how they get their shooters open, they need to get guys on the perimeter hitting threes. Denver is not the strongest defensive team. They ask so much of Jokic. They lack in rim defense. There's really an opportunity for John Morant and others to have their way, getting to the rim, kicking the shooters. If Memphis gets back to playing their style of ball, I think that they have a real should shot to win this game. And the good news is they're not going to overlook the Denver Nuggets. Again, the Nuggets are a game or so behind the Grizzlies in the standings in the Western Conference. Memphis likely thought that they could show up in Oklahoma City and take out the Thunder without SGA and Josh Giddy. They were wrong, obviously. Memphis lost that basketball game. But they are going into Denver. They know it's going to be a challenge. They know this is the tough part of that road trip that we mentioned, going to Phoenix, going into Golden State after this one. They're going to be ready to get the taste out of their mouth of not a good performance, not Grizzlies basketball. Put the officiating out to the side. They weren't playing well anyway. I see them using this as a get-back game. It'll be competitive because Jokic will keep the Nuggets in it. But I think between the injury report and the fact that Memphis is going to be motivated, this should be a Grizzlies victory. The Nuggets obviously are more than capable of winning, but Memphis should get this one. Thanks for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen today. Now make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Podcast. Check it out today. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Michael Cole will be back with you, breaking down the Grizzlies-Nuggets game, looking ahead to the Phoenix game on Friday, of course, talking about a lot of the work he's doing over the commercial appeal. DeMichael is just a phenomenal follow at DeMichael Cole on Twitter. If you don't already follow him, I highly recommend you do. I'm a big fan of his, not just because he's my partner. You know, DeMichael, when he got the job over at the commercial appeal, uh, at DeMichael C on Twitter, I should stand corrected. Um, I was one of the first ones to bring him on over at GBB on our podcast network when I was over there. Love to Michael, does great work, and I'm very excited to have him as my partner. He'll be flying solo on the next show, and then hopefully to close out the week before Christmas, he and I will uh, finish out on Thursday and Friday. So I will see you next on Thursday. The Michael will see you Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube, like, comment, follow along with us as we continue to grind through this NBA season. I am Joe Molinax. Thank you again for being here with me on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. Continue to lock in. I'll see you next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.